Welcome, welcome, and welcome to another edition of The Savage Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Alfonso Todd, and we have a great guest for you today. I'm honored. Um, I've actually known this uh, great man of God for many years. He, he, He's known me. He's known my daughter <laughs> for years. Uh, I remember my daughter used to run through the hallways of his, uh, of his school and everything, always try to help babysit the kids with his wife and with some of the workers. It's, it's been years. It doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it's been years. Um, He's the director of Power Lehigh Valley and founder and senior pastor of the Resurrected Life Community Church, the United Church of Christ, and he's the president and CEO of the Resurrected Community Development Corporation. Um, under his leadership, the Church and Community Development Corporation has experienced exponential growth evidenced by membership, financial self-sufficiency, and employment creation. Uh, without further ado, let me introduce you to the Reverend Dr. Gregory James Edwards. Hey, uh, Dr. Edwards, how you doing? My brother, my brother, my <laughs> brother, Alfonso. How you doing? It's so good to hear your voice, brother, and, Thank uh, you. and be on this podcast with you this afternoon. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you here. I, I Like I said, I, I know we don't talk daily, but we see each other. You're my you know, uh, it, it, like I said, you've been uh, such an influence and you've known my family, you know my daughter, you've seen her literally grow up from, you know, I remember I used to walk to your church mm-hmm. <laughs> with her in my hand, you know, and bring her there uh, and, and just knowing that she was in good hands and everything. And I remember her coming home with the stories about how she was helping your wife just babysit mm-hmm. the, uh, the other kids and some of your workers. And she was just always running around trying to be a helper. and. I guess, you know, you all just, I just appreciate, first of all, to allow her to do that. <laughs> yeah, she was, uh, uh, Talon was one of our star students at the Resurrected Life Children's Academy. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm sure um, she's, she must be growing, as the elders would say, growing like a weed. Yes, she yes. Grow, she has to be growing tall now. Right? Yes, yes, yes. She's almost taller than me now. And, uh, okay. and, she, and she just as bright. She's just doing what yeah. she needs to do. And I, and like I said, I, I definitely know was um, definitely due to a lot of the influence that you all gave to her. You know, it, it was, you know, it was a good time while she was there and the, um, at, you know, at, at the facility. Um, so I wanted to ask you for those who don't know um, you, you know, everyone knows that you're a reverend. What was the, the time that actually inspired you to get involved with the church? Um, when you when you were young, when did you know you had the calling? Well, you know, uh, that's a that's a great question and a question <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't really get asked uh, too often. And uh, but you know, uh, Alfonso, I was raised in the church. Um, I was baptized, or what they would say, christened. I was christened as an infant at the Mount Pisgah African Methodist Episcopal Church in a very small town in Northwest New Jersey called Washington, New Jersey. It was a family church and I was raised in the church um, and really uh, didn't, didn't like many folk, um, didn't really think during the time how, how incredibly influential that early time would be upon my life. And, um, you know, not, not unlike other folk, uh, when I got to be older, I, you know, I, I drifted away from the church and started to do some other things. Um, 
you know, I was a professional musician for years, went out to California uh, to do some studio work as a musician. And, and then really, um, when I came back to the East Coast, really got my call to ministry, um, really when I had a very close family member who tragically died uh, in a car accident. Uh, I was very close to her. And uh, my literally my my life began to spiral out of control. And uh, and I remember being on Route 22 in New Jersey and pulling my car over and just asking God to help me make sense out of this senseless situation. And uh, I started to go back to church, uh, not the same church, but a different church uh, with one of my coworkers. And, uh, and really, as they say, one thing led to another thing, led to another thing, got involved in youth ministry, and, and at the time, I was working for Corporate America. And um, when I got the call, really, to, to do ministry as a full-time vocation, uh, I would say that um, I felt that there was nothing more that I could do with my life that would ultimately contribute to the well-good of the universe and ultimately benefit humanity. Um, you know, people are called to do many different things. Mm -hmm. You can have a calling on your life. You can have a calling on your life uh, and not necessarily go into vocational ministry. Um, I, I deeply believe that. You can be an engineer. You can be a scientist. You can be a doctor. You can be a lawyer and still use that vocation for the greater glory of God and use it in a way that advances society and impacts humanity. So not everybody needs to be in a pulpit. But for me, you know, what I really felt was the futility of working in corporate America, given the fact that so many people were dying and sick and, and didn't just need a relationship with the Lord, mm -hmm. but also also needed a better relationship with themselves, their family members, and their neighbors. And that really led me down the path of being formally trained uh, for ministry, for the pastorate. Mm. Uh, I did not want to be a pastor. I, I absolutely, I, I, I accepted the call to ministry. You were, run, you were a runner, like so many yeah, of us. Yeah, you were yeah, a runner. I went to the church. Yeah. I went to the church. I brought my saxophone. I played in and for the choir. Uh, we would go on tour. And then one time the youth pastor uh, was sick. They asked me to substitute for him. I began to teach young people. And one Sunday led to another Sunday led to basically going into full-time youth ministry. And I said, okay, I can do this. I can speak into the lives of young people. This is cool. And it was like an it was like an itch that I just couldn't scratch. And mm. one thing led to another. Because, you know, in my mind, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, I had this stereotype in my mind. You know, the preacher is driving the best car, eating the best piece of chicken. Right, um, right. And, and that's the image I had in my mind. Mm. Uh, and, and certainly, I did not want to be anybody's pastor, uh, be dealing with folk on a daily basis like that. Call me to preach. Great. Call me to evangelize during the revival, wonderful. But to live with a people, because really, you know, being a pastor, being a shepherd, means that you are on a lifetime journey with a specific village of people. Mm. You baptize them. Yes. You, you baptize them when they are young or when they activate a relationship with the Lord. You uh, marry them. 
uh, you uh, counsel them, you do ministry with them, and then you bury them. I mean, so to really be a pastor uh, in the truest sense of the word is to live with and amongst the people that God has called you to lead. And I really didn't want to do that. I really, she'll call me to preach, uh-huh. I'm coming to preach, I'll get in my car and I'll go to the next church. Well, but you know, know. I, 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 I know that there was evidence because you had mentioned your saxophone. And I know music was a huge uh, mm-hmm. influence in your life. And, you know, we there's been rumors that you've, you've played with some of the greats. You've been on tour. And, 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 yeah. and I guess the, the most amazing part is when you were out there on tour, which I know is a lifestyle that some people even dream of. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was it that could get you? I mean, well, it had to be God. But, you know, when you're out there and, then, <laughs> right. and, you're, and you're, right. you're on tour, you're with some of the most famous people in the world. And you and you were you still getting the unctioning? Like, okay, you know, you're out here, you know, what what, what were you still getting signals and signs that hey, you know, you need to come back to where well, you, you know, belong? Or let, well, let, let me just say this. Um, you know, I think that I think that music, um, you know, being a musician is also a form of ministry. Many people don't think of it as ministry, mm. and I'm not talking about like pigeonholing it and calling it Christian ministry. But, you know, when when you are, when you think about it, when you take the human voice and uh, that God gives you, and you begin, and those vocal cords begin to vibrate, and you begin to sing, uh, and you can move someone emotionally that you do not know as the result of the gift that God has given you, or if you're playing a horn, you know, a trumpet, a saxophone, a, a basically a lifeless piece of metal that you are literally blowing your breath into mm-hmm. when it get to life. That's spiritual, brother. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is deeply spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be able to express what's inside of you and animate that piece of wood or that, that metal or, or that instrument that God has given you, um, it is a, it's an incredible thing and a thing that, Actually, I've been doing the longest out of all the things I've been doing. I've been doing that for the last 41 years, mm, playing, mm-hmm. uh, playing especially since I was 16. But, you know, being it, it wasn't so much playing and it wasn't so much playing that um, that I didn't like. I, I still play to this day. I love playing. It's a it's a it's a form of relaxation and a form of ministry. It's the. It's the touring. It's the mm. traveling. It's the um, sometimes not getting paid what uh, you were told you were going to get paid. It mm. is. It is. It is. It is. Uh, you know, um, working with people who you can make wonderful music with, but sometimes you don't necessarily, on a personal level, jail with. Ah, right? so, these, these are the things they don't. These are the things they don't tell entertainers. <laughs> You know, I mean, everybody sees everybody sees the big band or Shaka Khan or mm-hmm. these folks or Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. and 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 but but you know, um, playing your horn, your instrument, your piano, your drums—that's one thing. But the whole business aspect of show business, which most musicians are not trained in, can get very tiring getting on airplanes or getting on a bus or looking for your next gig. And, you know, you are basically paying your rent, your mortgage, 
paying for your food on the whims sometimes of other of other people mm. and that and that can get you know that can get tiring so imagine if on friday night for about you know on with friday night would come at the end of the week if you were performing all week long at the same venue uh, you're you know you're looking for your paycheck i mean that that stuff gets tiring right mm. so um so it's not it's not as a romantic notion as people would like it to be. Right, you know, right, right. It's not, it's not the glamorous life know. like people. Yeah, it's not, it's not right. as glamorous. Now, you had mentioned something because you because what a lot of people don't realize, and I and I've been really stressing to a lot of folks is that musicians and pastors, you all are business people. Well, you are entrepreneurs. People don't think of you like that, <laughs> but but you are. I mean, because I, I, you know, if we go back and we read like in your introduction where we were saying financial self-sufficiency, employment creation, these are things that you've had to become yourself in yep. order to be yep. able to bless yep. other people with. Yep. Can you talk about that a little bit? I know some oh, people man. like, you know, and we're not talking about, uh, you know, they, I, I, we're not talking about prosperity preaching. I'm talking about, you know, <laughs> just just the business, the, the business of doing business and legacy building. Well, let me let me just say this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was raised as an only child by a factory working single mother. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I graduated from high school. I went to college. Uh, when I got my call to ministry, I went to seminary and certainly seminary, which is graduate schools for those who are going into the vocation of ministry. They taught taught me a lot. Right. Taught mm -hmm. me. Uh, homiletics and systematic theology and 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 Greek and Hebrew and and etc. Um, but you know didn't didn't have outside of some personal budgeting, which was if I can dare say a little raggedy. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know I never had a class on finance. Mm. No one you know think about it. They they the seminary taught me some of the basic fundamentals of the vocation of being a pastor, mm -hmm. but never, never, uh, and, and most seminaries still don't do this, mm. do not tie that vocation to the critical need, the urgency of a leader, spiritual or otherwise, being able to be financially literate mm -hmm. and, and also financially stable, him or herself. So, you know, I didn't know Alfonso, I didn't know how to read a balance sheet. I mm -hmm. didn't know how to put an operational budget together. I didn't know the difference between a P&L and a balance sheet. I knew nothing about depreciation. Um, but I will say, you know, um, there's a scripture that says, to, to much is given, much is required. Mm. And I will say that what I have seen in my own life um, is that as I have in my personal life with my family, as I have had to grow financially, um, you know, going from renting or leasing a townhouse to owning our first house. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to be a homeowner with insurance, with a household budget, right? right. Balancing that budget. Uh, understanding that you can't spend more than you make income uh, versus expenses, accounts payable versus, you know, accounts receivable. All of those personal things, I will say that God showed me how to operationalize in my own life. Mm. And when we bought our first house, 
interestingly enough, that is when our church actually shortly thereafter went from being renters of a space for eight years to actually signing a mortgage for $800,000. Hmm. Wow. Wow. But I will tell you, before I could execute the business of the church, three properties, an $800,000 mortgage, sitting down with a traditional financial institution, learning about interest rates, before I could do it on behalf of the church, I had to have some of that stuff in order in my own life. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So what I will say is that as my personal financial situation has increased and my literacy around finances personally and understanding stocks and bonds and annuity and 401k and 403b, as my own personal situation has began to expand and my understanding around personal finance changed, that kind of bled over into um, how I was able to lead and manage uh, the church ultimately as I, won't, I don't want to say the church is a business, but there's a business aspect to the church that many people are not aware of. And unfortunately, because they're not aware of that, many people get a call to preach, but they never take seriously what I would call the back end of the church. Mm. Mm -hmm. And the back end of the church is, you know, beyond counting the money, is... Uh, you know, owning property and coming up with an operational budget and being able to present that operational budget and knowing where to place the church's money to make sure that you're getting a good ROI, return on your investment, and then, and then having an accountant that can do uh, your bookkeeping for you so that you can uh, make sure that all of your accounts receive full and pay. All of that stuff, all of that stuff, I will say, Alfonso, did not come as a result of me sitting uh, in a formal, uh, you know, educational environment. Right. It really came on the job, on the job training. And right. so now I look back, and I think I said this in one of my sermons, about if we really want to use and leverage the skills and gifts that God has given us, we have a responsibility to develop deeply those disciplines around finance, money management, and time and talent management. We have to be able to do that. So I think now, like, wow, you know, here is this church that started out around my dining room table, and uh, we were able to now own prime real estate in the city of Allentown, mm -hmm. um, two facilities, both 15,000 square feet, a parking lot that is fits about 120 cars, then we joined the United Church of Christ several years ago. We are in phase two of a $1.7 million renovation. Nice. Nice. That's beautiful. Now, That's beautiful. listen, I never thought I would be at the table talking to developers and talking to our contractors and our architectural firm about a $1.7 million project. Mm -hmm. That did not come because, I, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not trying to diss and say that there is something wrong with going to school. There are many great graduate schools on finance. As a matter of fact, as you read my bio, I have a lot of degrees. If there were one degree I would go back and try to get, it would be an MBA. Mm, okay. Because there are things that I still would like to learn as it relates to finance and also the physical development of properties. Mm. And... Um, you know, I sit on a board 
uh, Community First Fund, which is Pennsylvania's largest um, community development um, financial institute, which is a classification from the federal government. I was invited by the, the executive director to uh, come and to join the board to represent the community. Uh, they are located in Lancaster, but they've got offices throughout the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Right, right. I am the only I am the only person at that table when we meet monthly that does not have a formal degree in finance. I mean, there's financers, there's accountants, there's CPAs. There's, so I'm sitting at the table with folks that are speaking an entirely different language. Mm. But what but what it's helped me do, my brother, it's helped me. Even when I've been uncomfortable being at the table, it has helped me to develop not just the language, but the requisite skill to be able to now do with, uh, with on behalf of the church, things that I never thought I could do. Now, so, I, and, I, and I know that, you know, when, when we're talking about the business and the, you know, as you've been uh, talking to us about how the importance of the knowledge that you were, that, that, that was imparted to you through you doing um, yeah. Now, you've also, though, bringing it up to, you know, to the present time, you're also what they would call an, uh, quote, unquote, activist, community organizer, sure. slash, uh, basically, and I would yeah. say more than a community organizer, because you've been in the forefront of a lot of, uh, I want to say, fights when it comes to the city of sure. um, Allentown, um, sure. you, you, you know, because you, you're always fighting for the people. Now, and I noticed that you had put, uh, this is something that you also uh, instill into your church, into your followers, into the people in your community, the importance of basically, I guess, like you said, getting the knowledge, but now imparting the knowledge and now doing something with the knowledge. Sure, sure. Well, you know, uh, I mean, being black makes you political, whether you whether Yeah, I know, whether, whether you want to or not, exactly. Whether you want to be or not. So, so our very body and the skin that we are in when we go into certain rooms automatically makes us controversial. Right. So, you know, I, 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 I am not an activist or an organizer just for being an activist or organizer's sake. I know many people think of that as being very sexy these days, specifically mm -hmm. post-Obama. You know, mm -hmm. Obama was an organizer. Everybody wants to be an organizer. And that's, and, but I'm saying, you know, our people, our black and brown and even poor white folk are suffering as the result, in part, um, because we've got institutions that um, have not been able to speak to the lived realities mm. of its members or constituents. I don't I told folk on a I was on a um, I, I was doing a, 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 a seminar for the Episcopal Diocese of Bethlehem. Uh, for their Black History Month program. And I told them, I'm not afforded as a black man or a person of uh, black African heritage. I can't stand in my pulpit and preach a gospel that is inseparable from the suffering of those that God has called me to. Exactly. So I do not, I mean, this whole notion of faith being pie in the sky and hereafter and esoteric and mm -hmm. no, no, my brother. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, God calls us to be able to leverage the resources God has given us in the here and now. The hereafter will take care of itself, right. but it's the here and now that people need to be dealing with. Subpar housing, underfunded schools, right? right? No health care. Right. So these, I mean, so so what does our faith, what does our faith, regardless of your faith, whether you are Christian, Jew, Hindu, Muslim, what does our faith 
have to say, in the words of Howard Thurman, to people whose backs are up against the wall. Mm. And if your faith can't speak to people who are in the struggle, I would suggest that you re-examine your faith. Right. I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> I tell you, that, you, you've given some deep words this afternoon. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, um, before we go, though, what do you see as far as the future? I mean, where would you, you know, you, you've got this great project going on with your church and the ministry. Um, you know, you're already doing a lot of great things in the community. What would you like to see um, well, in, think, in upcoming yeah. years? And, and how many years? And oncoming. <laughs> on, I, won't, I, won't give, I won't give a number. I said oncoming. Um, I'm trying to see my way through, the, through, through this year. But yeah. I don't think, <laughs> there, there, there are some physical projects that we're working on. So we're working on this 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 very large renovation of our properties in Allentown. That's exciting and nice and developing our campus, expanding our early learning center. We uh, are launching three freedom schools in partnership with the Children's Defense Fund this summer. Awesome. Uh, you know, we still have our state licensed early learning center. Um, we are, we are uh, in, we are in the process also of um, merging and acquiring um promised neighborhoods of the Lehigh Valley. So our, our Resurrected Community Development Corporation uh, is going through a professional uh, consultative process uh, on how to merge those entities, promised neighborhoods of the Lehigh Valley mm -hmm. and also the Resurrected Community Development Corporation. That would make us the largest black-led, black-owned CDC mm. in our community. That would be so awesome. We're, excited, we're really excited about that. Yes. We're doing that work with Dr. Batts. Mm -hmm. um, I would, though, say, if, you know, what I really want to do, and I, I don't like speaking in the first person singular often, but, you know, you can put your hands on things that God has allowed me to, to, to build, whether it's physically a building, the church, the academy, the daycare center. The, but I want to spend, you know, um, the next several years, not that I haven't done it before, um, but really pouring into people who are ready to be developed as leaders. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, after I retire, or if I should close my eyes um, and leave the universe, you can look back and say, well, you know, Greg Edwards, he started Resurrected Life, started Resurrected Community Development Corporation, the James Lawson Freedom Schools, the Resurrected Life. All that's, that's physical stuff, that's wonderful stuff, those are great programs. Mm -hmm. but, but in a very essential way i want to deposit into people what the village elders have deposited into me because uh, to me to me the greatest thing you can do is is help change another person's direction or life that, so i want legacy. to spend some time i want to spend some serious time in the next several years really developing leaders now, can lead. I, now that's the legacy i like that now if people wanted to learn more or get involved or just had questions for you how can they do so how can they contact you or your so you can ministry? you can uh, go to our you can go to our church's website i can give you that address it's uh, uh www dot r l i s e a t N-I-N-T-H dot org. So it's our life at night. It's kind of a play on words mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because 
because the church is Resurrected Life and we're on the corner of Ninth and Turner. So right, right. the website is R Life at Ninth, but the at is not the ampersand, it's spelled out. R L I F E A T N I N T H dot org. And you can go to the CDC's website, uh, www.rcdclv.org. Awesome. Um, Pastor Gregory, I want to say thank you. It's been an awesome honor and a pleasure to have you. And I definitely want to give you the open door invitation that Absolutely. anytime you have any new projects or new events coming up, please let me know and we'll definitely get it out here on the program. Well, let me just say this in closing, brother. You know, uh, I appreciate your leadership. You did some groundbreaking and continue to do some groundbreaking things in Allentown. I'm so proud to have you as a colleague, as a brother, as a friend, and uh, glad that you are pushing the envelope and helping our community engage in critical conversations. You are a savage. I've been called that before. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yes, that's it. Will do. And to all of our listeners, you've been listening to The Savage Entrepreneur right here on Prolific Radio Podcast. You be well, and we'll talk to you soon.